Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Fine Flow Podcast. I'm your host, Sean McDermott. And with us today, we have Shalesh Mondraker. Uh, he is with Cloud Fabrics. And I'll give you a quick bio. Uh, Shalesh is the uh, Vice President of Artificial Intelligence and SaaS Marketing for Cloud Fabrics. Uh, he's also another member of the Forbes Technology Council, as I am. So a, you know, uh, part of that group. Uh, he is also former head of AI and strategic alliances for uh, Weka IO, and he's also held positions at HP and DEC and Brocade and Adaptech and NetApp and EMC and SwiftTech. And I give you all those names because he's basically been all over Silicon Valley for the last 25 years working uh, infrastructure side, application side, kind of all full stack. And uh, he's been pretty heavy into AI and machine learning for uh, the past five years. So, uh, Shalash, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Sean. Uh, pleasure to be here. Good. So let's let's jump right into it. Um, let's talk about like what Cloud Fabrics is trying to solve. So, what is the problem that you guys are trying to solve? Well, yeah. So if you look, uh, kind of just take it, stepping back, right? I'll give you a little background around where I came from, right? So. Uh, I came from actually from the AI side and the application side of the house, right? So work with enterprise application, data analytics, and then more recently with cloud native applications of the likes of, you know, um, whether it be autonomous vehicles, um, genomics, and, you know, um, uh, algorithmic trading and so on. And there was AI solving all of these regulated, regulated problems, right? However, what was really not solved was really operationalizing these stacks or these solutions, right? And that was a fundamental problem where we could leverage AI for solving the full stack, IT stack, and the business stack. And that's what really led me to Cloud Fabrics. And the problem we are trying to solve is, if you look at the operational domains, if you will, right? So there is the observability domain, there is a security domain, and there is automation domain, right? And observability is all rage. However, there are still gaps okay, uh, in each of those domains. For example, in observability, most of the vendors or the applications are very domain specific, right? People come from APM side, they come from ITOM side, ITSM side, right? So they mm -hmm. don't have that full stack context. There's this alert noise, which leads to, you know, a kind of an um, uh, really a plethora of tools. And then the same thing with security as well. There is very little context which you bring in into the security world, right? The ability to actually redact that data, uh, the ability to enrich that data and um, keep data uh, from a full copy perspective into a low cost storage. You don't want to put in all your data into a SIM or a uh, data security analytics platform and so on. So same goes for automation as well. The ability to actually get to a root cause uh, pinpointing to a root cause, leveraging NLP techniques, being able to route that data and that ticket uh, is missing. And that's the problem we decided to solve with Cloud Fabrics AI Ops. And primarily, uh, we saw data challenges as really the problem statement uh, to bring all of this together. And that was really the genesis of what we call robotic data automation fab. I'll pause here, see if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it makes sense to me. Uh, you know, I think that you've got, I think you've got silos within silos too, right? Because yep. when you start talking about ultimate like service reliability, right? And it's something that I, I spend a lot of time talking about and thinking about it. It combines everything from 
the operational data and the observability data, right, of what's going on out there pro proactively and reactively, and also from the security side, right? Because the, the lines are getting blurred now of reliability. Is it a security issue, denial of service attack, or is it, you know, an infrastructure issue? And most of the infrastructure issues are kind of almost going away nowadays because there's so much resiliency built into cloud um, infrastructure, cloud environments. Um, I think the holy grail here really ultimately is the automation, right? And you can't do, you can't do automation unless you've got data and you've got the right data and you've got processes which have been defined and hardened that you can then replicate from an automation perspective. So we talk about automation a lot here. And I think that um, we're still in the early, early stages of that, right? A lot of the, a lot of the automation is like opening a ticket or, or, or setting a flag or doing things like that, not full scope, hey, let's go out and automate this end-to-end -end process while we're touching four or five different pieces of the stack. And and because uh, and, that's very, um, that's a very, that's a very complex automation and it requires a lot of trust, right? So, so I think when you guys are talking about you know, when, it, when you look at this, it's, you know, one of the things that we talked about in the past is there's just a lot of data out there, right? And we talked about that in the AI ops concept. It's just so much data. And um, the ability to process that data and apply that data to any kind of business outcome or service reliability outcome is getting harder and harder, which is making service response times go back up again. And that's costing businesses money. So that. Am I interpreting right what you guys are kind of really focused on here? Yeah, absolutely, right? So it's not just about the volume of data, but also the ability to work with the different data types, right? Like, for example, uh, the most of the AI ops solution today kind of look at mostly around alerts, right? And it's really about uh, alert noise reduction or event correlation and so on. But how do you do that across you know the different data types, whether it is metrics, whether it is logs, being able to derive metrics from the logs, being able to do, um, you know, uh, anomaly detection, um, being able to, um, you know, being able to route the data to different uh, locations, right, to the right location, and primarily solving the data challenges, right? So I think that's very, uh, very crucial when you're doing AI ops, right? And that's what uh, we, we tend to focus more on. Like, for example, just to highlight some of the challenges, you know, almost, 70, 80% of the time you spend preparing data from these disparate sources, right? Connecting to the data sources, being able to get that data in the right format, normalize that, being able to contextualize that. And that's when it becomes ready for running AI ML and other um, correlation pipelines and so on, okay? Uh, the second is around skills gap, right? There is very little um, data expertise uh, either throughout the whole business and IT stack, right? So how do you bring in that, uh, you know, how do you play around that skills shortage? And the third one is being able to be able to connect all of these disparate data sources, no matter where they are, whether it's at the edge, whether it's at the data center, whether it's across multi-cloud, right? So those are the things which we see as really some of the challenges uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, um, how effective your AI ops is. 
Yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense, right? Because and and I totally agree with you that the fact that you know AI ops is so data dependent, right? Uh, I mean, you, you got to have the data in order to apply the models, right? So and if you can, you got to have models on the data. So they're they're kind of like peanut butter and chocolate, yep. right? But um, you know, I, what we see a lot in our client space is um, data. There's a lot of incomplete data. Right. And I've talked about this on other shows where, you know, CMDB, for example, is a really uh, good example. And I see this all the time where a lot of the CMDB data just isn't populated. So there they say, oh, well, we'll connect into the CMDB. And when you do, and we start pulling data out and start trying to do some type of correlation of that data to something else. Key fields are just missing. Data fields are missing and you can't you can't make the correlation because you can't make that connect so you have you know it's like relational databases right you've got two fields that need to be keyed together so you glue the two tables together but you can have that you can have that uh um connection between the two tables but if there's nothing in that field then there's you don't get anywhere so we see that a lot we see a, a fair amount of data incompleteness right and uh the other thing is the silo data i think that's a very valid um issue where it's just there's data being collected everywhere, right? And again, back to the CMDB model of, you know, go back 15, 20, 15 years ago when we were talking about CMDBs and just challenges of that and where is the, where is the source of data and do you copy in mass amounts of data and then you got to maintain that and and as the data at the source is changing, how do you do that? So we move to federated CMDB models uh, and try and get closer to the, the, the data that's, live and real and and being updated by the point systems so those are i i agree with you i think those are are three good areas of of data challenges here so um i was reading over something that you guys put out that i found and there was a really key statistic in there that i that just jumped out at me a city of one million right and we have a lot of one million person cities in the u.s will generate 180 million gigabytes of data per day. And, and and that's a mass, I mean, this goes back, right, to the whole point of AI ops, really the core case of AI ops in the first place is that there's just so much data being come, that coming in. How do you how do you process it? So um, when when you talk about like AI ops and a new approach to AI ops, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so again, I think fundamentally, it's really about being data-centric, right? And uh, what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you talked about, uh, you know, the IoT and the 5G opening up the edge, and the edge is predicted to be even bigger than cloud computing. So how do you be... Yeah, I saw that too. Right, and how are you able to actually look at the data, analyze it, correlate it right at the edge so that you don't have to transfer all of the data, the non-actionable data, to a centralized location, right? So that's one aspect of it. The other aspects, as I said, when we talk about how do we do uh, things differently. So enrichment is really the Achilles hill of AI ops, right? Unless you do enrichment well, you're not able to do the correlation, you're not able to do um, the, AI, the AI ML models, right? They're only as good as uh, the context for that data. And the way uh, we do it is is very differentiated. So obviously there are CMDBs, right? And as you, as you rightly pointed out, many a times they're very static in nature. What you really need is the ability to discover this topology pretty much in near real time, 
okay and you bring in all of that data uh, where you are discovering all the uh, different assets be it hardware software kubernetes right your service meshes and so on and you bring that in and you formulate a data model uh, which we call and it's an lrid model right um, it's called application dependency map and that becomes your context and that's one of the most important things for us to become uh, you know to be able to do the correlation and the way we formulate that is you know we have many automated approaches to do enrichment right um, so get out on those data stacks bring all of those attributes in and being able to correlate and um, enrich that data uh, in real time okay and if there is say, a new application or there is change in topology we'll constantly go out discover that build that data model um, in its entirety again so that you always have a, uh, have a context of how your environment is working okay so those are some of the things which are differentiated again when it comes to uh, data challenges as i said uh, you know there are uh, three or four of this and the way uh, we solve this is you got to have data automation to solve your um, you know the the preparation cha uh, challenges around data the ability to connect to disparate sources being able to actually um, you know um, extract metadata out of it being able to uh, enrich it being able to route it right all of this has to be done in a pipeline it can be done in a manual way right so that's one thing which is what we call data automation the other aspect is for the skills gap we have about a thousand or so um, low code no code data bots and aiml bots right so that's another aspect of our community which we are building so obviously we have about thousand bots but we leave, uh, let partners and end customers build either their own data bots or their own data pipelines right and these so so let's talk about that for a second so what exactly is a data bot right so is a data bot basically a, just a pre-built integration API integration to that particular platform. So much like um, like a, a Zapier would, you know, has a integration into Salesforce that you can just basically go in and build your workflow, say, okay, connect me to that. And it will do it. Is that essentially the same thing? You just pre-built a bunch of these Yeah, it's, I mean, the yeah, simplest way to describe it is in the old days, you used to have macros, right? And it basically, it, yeah. it, um, it covers up all the, all the, uh, intricacies behind the scene right as to what apis are using what's the schema of the data you're bringing in right all of that is taken care of for you you just call it bot and you just pass sure. some variables okay. to it and you get an output right so as simple as so similar so similar thing you guys you basically just have normalized you just have you've done all the work on the back end for the integration and things like that and, and i can just go into the platform and pull up you know that particular bot and make the connection authenticate to that data source and should be should be good to exactly go. exactly you don't have to write any Python okay. Java code right and the third piece of this puzzle is really the data fabric right which we were uh, talking uh, earlier about so this data fabric is essentially the ability to connect these disparate sources across the edge across a point of sale across an industrial IOT device right so we have customers now asking for uh, predictive maintenance use cases right where you basically look at uh, an asset and be able to predict the maintenance on, on that, uh, the ability to uh, clean insights from that. So uh, the data fabric becomes a crucial element uh, 
to be able to connect all of this. And we actually use a technology called NATS. It's like Apache Pulsar and so on. Uh, and we leverage that to create this data fabric, which is de- geographically dispersed. It can be at the edge, it can be in the data center, it can be across multi-cloud. It's really a low latency, high throughput message passing network across which we pass on uh, our data types and artifacts, right? And then finally, the ability to actually be able to route this data uh, to any particular location uh, which is a rightful owner and can rightfully get those insights and leverage those insights from that data. So those are three or four kind of you know key differentiators when it comes to how we handle uh, those data and particularly uh, the edge data sets. Gotcha. So I'm I'm going to um I'm going to throw up a, a rabbit hole alert here uh, and go down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. So let's talk because. Because I hear, I mean, we, we talk a lot about edge computing. We talk, and, and what you said, there's going to be more data on the edge than they're actually in the cloud. And, I, and I, I, that's even more interesting when you start, look at the statistics on the amount of IoT devices going out and, and just exponential growth of IoT. And so let's talk about that real quick uh, and, and your role in that. So let's say you've got an autonomous car, right? And that's kind of an example, I think. Let me, tell me if this is a good example. So you got an autonomous car, right? It's connected via 5G, but it's doing all kinds of things, right? It's collecting all kinds of data from sensors and lasers and all kinds of things like that. Climate control. Um, are you? That's your. Are you? Are you in agreement? That's like the edge, yeah. right? Because not all that data has to come up, and they'll they'll process data on inside the car controller and transmit some of it via 5G to to the network. So is is that a good example just to set this down? Yeah, so that's actually an edge endpoint, and then there is an edge aggregation. But yeah, you're absolutely right. That's it. So, so is your cloud fabric, is your uh, robotic data fabric, is it going all the way out to that car, or is it going to that aggregate? Yeah, so it can go, uh, in data fabric case, it can go all the way up to the car. Because in reality, okay. what it is, it's just a simple, say, a Docker Compose image. Right, and the reason why okay. we chose NATS as a data fabric is because of this small footprint. Right, so it's really a small footprint yeah. which can reside not only on an autonomous car; it can be an a five G uh, RAM, or it can be an endpoint uh, which does not need a lot of resources. So this is kind of interesting. Um, we're still in the rabbit hole here, right? <laughs> we'll come out in a moment, but uh, when you talk about observability, right? And you talk about DevOps, right? One, you know, I, I've kind of made the comment, you know, you can either agree with me or not, that we have been doing like DevO for a while and haven't quite gotten to the DevOps all the way to the other end of the DevOps chain. Meaning that there's a lot of operational organizations that are collecting all the observability data and haven't quite figured out a way to get it to the application owners. And the application owners haven't quite figured out how to work with the ops teams to figure out how to instrument their, their things, their application. So in your case, um, and again, you can agree with that or not, um, but that's my opinion. And But if we go down to kind of that path a little bit, you, uh, as an application developer, let's say I'm developing uh, applications on that car, right? 
I only really need to connect into your fabric, right? So I only really need to embed some of your some code that will then create that communication path back to and start routing that data into your into your platform, yep. correct? Oh, that's yep. that's pretty cool. Yep. That's interesting. Uh, the reason I, I, you know, because so I founded another company a while back called App Forty Seven. We're a mobile application management, and we instrument mobile applications. And mostly, our our target is um, commercial companies that are developing their own in-house applications, not for general distribution. So, a manufacturer it built an app for distributors for order management, but they don't want it sitting out in the App Store or Google Play. And they also want to instrument it. They want to do some more instrumentation of it. Um, and you can embed just a line of code, and that basically makes the call back to our platform and connects the app in. So it's really super simple for app developers. Who they just We just give them the line of code, and they put it in there. Yeah. Uh, so that's a similar thing, right? So you, so you basically can start working with the app teams to say, look, start, you know, embed this code into your application and we're automatically going to start collecting data that comes into our platform that we then can enrich and we can aggregate and we can apply ML and AI and we can route the data back to the application teams with the analytics and the dashboards yeah. and things like yeah. that. So the Is only, that only, accurate yeah, only a couple of things I would point out, right? So in case of that particular example of autonomous um, car, what happens is you are actually doing the training in either a data center or in a multi-cloud environment. You actually do the inference. When the model is trained, that's when you're putting that model for inference into the autonomous car. Okay. And now, say, for example, that model is running, uh, you have our worker node, right, which is that small edge um, location or the edge part of it, of the fabric, running along with that model, right? So that's the only differentiation or additional details are point out. So you have actually, so you would actually have a working model on the car. Well, well we have a working model which can sit on any edge. We haven't done any POCs with a car, right? That, that, that. Is yeah. Now I'm just using that as a concept, but the concept is you could actually have the, so the working model is actually doing some of that, 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 um, processing of the data and even sending back a limited amount over 5g okay all right so that's this is kind of interesting all right i like it um so then so then you also talked about um so one of the things that you know you and i've talked about in the past is that you're you're trying to build an ai ops plan platform for the non ai ops specialized person right so that's why you built the bots. And, and so you're basically democratizing the whole platform in a way that people can build their own reports and, and do whatever they want with the data. Is that accurate? Yeah. So very much it's like a self-serve model, right? So we cater to, I mean, if you look at the personas, right, the end user, right, from a product market fit perspective, it's really uh, the business ops guys. It's really... Uh, the dev DevSecOps guys, it's really the cloud ops guys. And each one is trying to infer something from the platform, right? And the ability to give them that uh, power to be able to slice and dice this, right? Create a dashboard to their own liking is very powerful. 
So the way we do, do it is the platform is very extensible. We have something we call service blueprints, which is think of it as an YAML file in the Kubernetes environment. And on the fly, they can change some parameters and say, okay, well, this is a kind of dashboard which is of interest to a BizOps guy versus and and cloud ops guy and so on. So yeah, that, that's that's really the premise uh, of the self-service nature of the platform. Gotcha. All right, so one last, okay, so we came out of the rabbit hole. Now we're out of the rabbit hole. Now we're gonna go into like another little rabbit hole. We weren't, we're not gonna be here too deep. Um, and that is um, data enrichment, right? So this is a this is a, a, a like a small area that I'm really interested in. So when you're when the data is coming in, you're enriching it. You're enriching it from what source? What what's your typical source of enrich data enrichment? Like the CMDB? Uh, we actually we can leverage CMDB, but most of the time our customers ask us to use our own approaches. So we have our own data collection methodologies where we go to the stack, right? Whether it is and uh, VR ops environment, whether it's a Kubernetes environment, right? Uh, whether it is uh, name it, right? And we have those collectors where we absolutely get all those attributes, and then we are able to enrich or form actually that uh, dependency model, what we call application dependency map, which exactly tells us the topology. It also creates an impact map. That means it creates an um, an um, assertion of what depends on what and how this particular issue is going to affect uh, the dependent and the you know the, the 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 assets which are dependent on this right so all of that information is gathered together so that's one aspect of enrichment the other aspect of enrichment is whether you're bringing logs in right or alerts in uh, we have the ability to be able to redact some of that information using those bots right we have the ability to take um, some of the feeds whether they be from CV or they be from uh, 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 GIP lookups, right? From info blocks or take it from, uh, say, some kind of an tip, the threat intelligence platform. And we take that information and we're able to enrich those artifacts and then store it into either an low cost S3 bucket or this day we also have the ability to store it in, in a platform like Snowflake, right? So you're not putting all of this information into an end sim or a Splunk and so on and so forth, right? You can only, you can derive that information when there is a security breach or an compliance requirement by coming to us, right? And all of the data is stored with timestamps. So you can come to our platform and say, I want to replay it from this particular timestamp to my choice of stream, okay? But that's kind of the, the, kind of the framework for enrichment, um, if you will, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, good. Well, we're going to talk about that uh, in the future because I really want to get into that because I think there's a lot of um, questions I have around, you know, speed in which you can enrich data and, and how fast things work because when you're enriching data, you're, you're going out and you're grabbing things and then, you know, connecting multiple data sources together and that can be um, processing intensive. So we'll, we'll talk about that at a future date. I'd also like to have you back on um, – uh, soon and talk about some use cases about what you guys are doing because I I, uh, I think people can find that Absolutely. very interesting. So uh, any so I think we'll wrap up for that. So any anything else you want to pick up on uh, for this? Uh, oh for well, this uh, no. As I said, right. So um, just a little plug here, right? That hey, we are actually running uh, log intelligence uh, analytics, uh, log intelligence uh, up to terabyte uh, free. 
right? So if you come to a SaaS platform and try it out, check out the platform, right? Uh, also AI ops, uh, you know, we have for certain period promotional offers and so on. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's about it, Sean. And thanks for having us. Great. It's a pleasure having you. And I look forward to talking to you Likewise, again. Likewise, Sean. Thank you. All right.